to episode nine of Speak Better. Sometimes people are criticized, criticized for being monotone. Whether you're a native or a non-native speaker, this can happen. I think for native speakers, it might be even more challenging to change if you've spoken that way your whole life, you're just not comfortable doing public speaking, or you grew up speaking monotone. For a non-native speaker, it's a little different. In your first language, you may simply have a different pattern. So for example, I've had clients from Latin America that can sound very happy and upbeat when they're not, when they're trying to be serious, and that can be distracting. And specifically, when we talk about vocal variety, we're talking about doing different things with your voice. And we'll talk about what we mean by things, how to sound less monotone. We talked before about resonant pitch, and that is that each person has a different pitch where their voice sounds best. Some people might be too high, some people might be too low for their natural voice. So you got to find that, and when you work on voice quality, making it sound pleasing to others, then you definitely work on that. But in addition to a resonant pitch, you want to be able to go as far above it as you can and as far below it as you can. Are there exercises for this? Yes. Strengthening the voice preparing it to do this for sure. But the other thing to know is why you want to do it and how you want to do it, how you want to use it. And the idea is that as you speak, you can do a couple things to make it more engaging. You can change it up. You can talk faster in bursts and then talk slower. So the reason we do that is to grasp the attention of the listener. If I just talk at the same pace all the time, pretty soon people tune out. You can go to sleep. It's like white noise. It's just consistent. It's in the background and you check out. The idea with changing it up is that you can talk faster and then talk slower. You can pause longer and then not pause at all. When you change it up, you have more flexibility. I talked a bit how being flexible and being diverse is really helpful for a speaker who's engaging, a speaker who's well-liked, and a speaker who's versatile because you have to be able to move with different audiences, different venues. Again, it's not always talking to the same people about the same thing. And the more versatile you are, the more flexible you are as a speaker, typically the more valued you are because people realize you can be more than one thing to one person. That tends to be powerful. That tends to be something that people are looking for when they're looking for a leader in an organization, for example, or when you're trying to market or sell something or anything where you have that presence in front of others. And we talked about executive presence in the first episode. The idea is that you want to get out there in front of people. And so you have to perfect what that looks like for you. It's a little different for everybody. So we want to go back to what happens with your voice, specifically with pitch. When we talked about voice, we talked about changing it. But the idea of being monotone is that it never changes. Now, if your first language, for example, is Japanese or Korean, there tends to be less up and down in pitch. It tends to be more consistent and in length of syllable. And I know they're not called syllables. They're called foras, I believe, in Japanese. But the idea is that each word has different parts to it. So an example I can give you, we use a lot of Japanese words, like the word Toyota. Notice when I get to the yo, my pitch goes up and it's a little longer. Toyota. Or if I said the word sushi or sashimi, notice how one of the syllables is longer. And I'll say it more naturally. Sashimi, sushi, Toyota. When we say those words, we pronounce them differently than a Japanese person would. Now, I don't speak Japanese, and I certainly, obviously, don't speak it fluently. But I like to say those words in a way that a Japanese person might say them. 
So for example, Toyota or sushi or sashimi. A Japanese person is more likely to understand that, even though I didn't say it perfectly, because I gave the syllables equal length and the same tone. Now, even if the person speaks a tonal language, like Chinese or Thai or Vietnamese, it's still a challenge because those tones have a semantic meaning, which is they change the word. English, typically, when you say a word, it depends on how you use it in the context, for sure. It can be spelled the same way and sound different, like context and or content and content, for example, are two different words. But the idea is that just by changing my tone, it doesn't change the meaning. So if I say I'm happy or I'm happy or I'm happy, 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 it all means the same thing. It doesn't mean sad in some cases or something completely different. The idea then here with being monotone is that even for those folks, because there's not a semantic meaning change, when speaking English, a lot of Chinese speakers will just pick a tone and stay there because there's no reason to change. They're not trying to change meaning. They're just trying to say the words and they don't know where to go up and where to go down. And we're not talking so much about intonation here with up and down, like all the way up and all the way down in groups. We're talking more about individual words. And that's where it can be valuable to identify what we do with words when we change pitch, when we use vocal variety. So not only do we go faster and slower and pause longer and shorter, but we also change pitch. And so we might go up, we might go down, but we might not stay there. We might do it on one word. And there are a variety of ways you can do it. You can slow the word and get louder. You can slow the word and get softer. You can simply go up and down in your pitch like that. You can take the word and change the pitch inside the word, adding different qualities to it. Now, granted, as a non-native speaker, you might not feel comfortable doing that in the beginning. You have to practice it and learn where to do it and how to do it. But the concept is that you can do it, that you don't have to have a semantic change. It doesn't mean something different. It's not two different words like dog and horse. It's just that by adding that different change, that change in tone, you're simply giving some character to what you say, some emotion. You might be implying that you're being sincere, or you might be implying that you're angry, or that you're being funny, or whatever it might be. A great example is showing sympathy and empathy. And, you know, sympathy is just caring about something, you know, feeling sorry for somebody. But empathy is really feeling it, right? Like you feel what they must be going through and maybe you felt something similar yourself and you care about them and it, it's a deeper thing. Sympathy is just feeling sorry for them. Empathy is also feeling the same feeling that they are. You know, they're sad and then you can feel that sadness and you want to help them, for example. So sounding empathetic in speech can be really important. And often that's by not going straight up or straight down. It can sound very accusatory when you go straight down. But what we're talking about here are individual words that you can break out of whatever you're saying and just showcase a particular word. You can get excited and it can be a word or two or a whole phrase or a whole sentence. But the idea is that you change it up. And whenever you change it up, you engage the listener. You don't want to be too phony about it. I mean, you can exaggerate it and overdo it. And this is where the art comes in. 
And when you speak, you have to get feedback, as we talked about earlier, to know if you're overdoing it or not. Everybody has a slightly different style. Some things are going to seem easier to you than other things. There's going to be times when you do it a certain way and you get a good reception and you're going to go, yeah, that was easy to do. And there's other times when you do it and it won't feel like you. And of course, it depends on who you're speaking to. If you're talking to a group of engineers and technical people, you probably don't want to be as animated as if you're talking to salespeople at a motivational conference. We all know that depends on your audience for sure. And it depends on what you're selling. You know, it might be very, very different if you're selling makeup or you're selling technology. Everything matters and you have to know that. But the key to this is that your voice showcasing certain words, being animated, being excited, having a lot of control over what you do with your voice can be used anywhere. It's a skill. It's not a specific area or field that you use it in. It's that you can use it anywhere. Even if you're talking to engineers, I would say you wouldn't want to have like a wide range of wild kinds of things that you do and make weird noises and all kinds of crazy, but you want to be credible. So you probably still want to be emphatic and there are certain words that you want to stress and you probably want to change your pace a bit. There's still things you're going to want to do with your voice. And again, you've got to test it out and figure out what's right for you. But the concept of vocal variety is that you don't stay the same in terms of pacing, in terms of loudness, volume, in terms of how long you hold sounds, in terms of the melody and the tones you use, in terms of the pitch that you use, and then you can combine these things. So when you combine a long pause with going straight up and surprising people, and again, this is going to tie into your nonverbal which we talked a bit about before. And that is that if I'm doing certain things with my hands or certain things with my arms or certain things with my eyes or my legs, that is going to tie into the vocal quality. So you want to make it consistent so the message is clear. And you want to move around maybe to an extent without overdoing it. It's not about pacing. It's not about twitching. And it's similar to the hemming and hawing. You never want to do unintentional things that you're not in control of. So it's about choosing what you do and syncing it to your content. And if you can make a movement that's connected to your message, if you're talking about hesitating, that's something you're talking about. Sometimes we hesitate to take action. If you also hesitate in your movement, I find a lot of times people make jerky movement with their arms. And when we talk about making it fluid with breath, they'll start to move and they'll move the arms in ways that are pleasant and big because generally for public speaking, we want to be bigger than we normally are, which is kind of an unnatural thing to do. But it's really great when you're embracing a large audience to move your arms open wide. The thing is that when you're doing that fluid movement, what a lot of people don't practice doing is being asymmetrical. And that is taking one arm, for example, and opening out and looking away and then doing the other arm. So you don't have to do both arms at once. The other big thing people don't do is hold. They're always moving and that could be nerves. There's a lot of reasons or people haven't thought about it. They're not aware of it. But the key is that sometimes you just stop and hold. And extend your hands, open hands, because oftentimes squeezing your hands together, looking smaller, compressing is not a good thing to do in general with public speaking. But the idea is your arms are open wide, you extend your hand, and then you just hold it there. And it can also be asymmetrical. So you could do that with one hand at a time. I like to talk about the hand-eye connection, which is where your eyes look out into the audience and your hand moves and opens and holds and you make a point. 
typically we talk about to the count of three. It could be a little bit longer. You don't typically want to look just in one direction. You want to be able to move, but you don't want to move haphazardly or move in a way that looks jittery jittery eye contact where you're looking from person to person really quickly. You want to hold eye contact, even if it's with one person, like you're having a conversation in an audience, but then you move and look at someone else. And you take the hand and gesture openly as your eyes make contact. Hand, eye, connection. And notice when I say that, I slow. So I'm also demonstrating what you can do with your pace to be less monotone. It doesn't mean that you have to have all kinds of crazy ups and downs in your speech. So quick comment here about non-native speakers. If your first language has a different intonation pattern, which it's going to have, right? But some languages tend to like go up and down like this. If you have that pattern, you want to strip that out and go monotone first. What I mean by that is if you're talking up and then you're going down in your first language, that's just how it sounds to people. You have to have an awareness of that. Then you might be doing that in English unintentionally. You might be going up and then going down. And going up and down means something to us. Especially when you do it randomly from word to word, we wonder why you're doing it. It can seem strange or odd and very distracting. So anything that's distracting hurts your messaging. You want to make sure it's intentional. So if you're doing that, my recommendation is to go monotone for a while. Try to strip that out and just go flat at your resonant pitch. If you aren't sure about your resonant pitch, you can just pick any pitch that you would normally talk at and try to stay right in that narrow range, which I'm demonstrating right now. I'm talking in a narrow range. Then when I get excited, I go up and I can sometimes go down or I can go back up. I can move around, but notice I'm not doing it randomly all the time. So this is what I'm not doing. I'm not just kind of going up and down like that. I'm doing it intentionally on certain words. If that's hard to do, if you try it and it doesn't work, that's when you want to flatten and go monotone for a while. It might be a painful couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to be an hour or a day. You might have to do that for some period of time until you have enough control to go back to choosing when to go up and when to go down. But mastering that is going to be a big game changer, especially if you're one of those people who needs to show up well when you're speaking, if that's what holds holds you back in your commentary and that's what holds you back in your career. I've had clients who told me that the only reason they weren't promoted is because of their speech, that they were the best one in terms of knowledge or they were in a position where they'd been there for years and they needed a director of the department or they needed to move them into a certain area where they were strategically placed the best fit, but they had to bring someone in from the outside or promote someone else because they just didn't have the speaking skill. And that isn't just pronunciation. It can also be the ability to hold the floor and the ability to engage and the ability to motivate or the ability to impart information or be taken seriously. And all of that involves being able to control your tone and your vocal variety. So that's just to tell you that it's worthwhile to master this stuff because it will make a difference in your career and your life, most likely. And also just how long people listen to you. So another way to know this is important is if you experience listener fatigue. If people, we talked about this earlier, if people stop listening to you and they give someone else credit for an idea you had and they just quit listening and look away because they're tired, like they can't hear it all, it can be pronunciation. It can be th certain sounds and words are pronounced in a way that they have to try to figure out and they're challenged by it. But it can also be that your speech is very monotone. It's 
not just that it's boring. The problem with monotone is the brain wants some disruption. So when you're listening, 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 and it's flat, and they go on and on and on and on and on, your mind wanders, even unintentionally. Like, you don't want it to wander, but it does it anyway. So it's not that people have any ill intent, it just happens. And by changing that, you're going to be able to allow people to listen longer. And that's going to give you huge rewards in terms of your audience really listening to your message, keying in on it, and gathering the, the message that you want them to get, the content that you want them to get. I think that is so key. And the idea behind all of this is how you can be maybe a more entertaining speaker, but certainly engaging is a more neutral word because everyone needs to engage, not everyone needs to entertain. Whatever it might be, you want your audience to listen to you for as long as you want to talk. And that's what vocal variety is all about, and that's why it's important not to be monotone. And I've worked with people, for example, who have Scottish or Irish or British accents and want to acquire an American accent for whatever reason. And it can be more challenging than if someone has a Spanish or a German or a Indian or a Chinese accent because they speak English as their first language and that can make it harder to change. And the same is true here with being monotone. If it's the way you've spoken since you were a child, you just need to have a more focused way to truly change it. You have to be committed and you have to have an exercise. And singing exercises, I think in this context, if you're a monotone person and you don't sing, it might be worth singing in the shower. And I say that lovingly, singing in the shower, because it's not about singing to entertain or singing to be an incredible singer or win an award. It's about communication. And if you are able to control your voice in a way that's not monotone, if you're able to change pitch and control it, and you're able to do a good job doing that, you're going to keep your listeners longer, then it's worth maybe learning some singing techniques that could help your brain to change pitch and create vocal variety when you're speaking. So those are just some thoughts, kind of brainstorming all the different reasons that people sound monotone. But I can't underscore enough the importance of sounding engaging and sounding excited and lively when you speak. No matter what your topic is, even if it's a serious topic, people will stay listening to you longer. And this topic was an important one, but we've got some other topics coming up on how to sound credible and decisive, how to connect with your audience, toolkit for fixing your American English. We haven't talked much about that yet. We talked a bit about voice, but we could always talk more about voice qualities and specifically how to change them. We haven't spoken about the R sound yet or much about dialect and navigating vowels. And those are all things that I plan to talk to you about very soon in one of the upcoming episodes. Look forward to talking to you then.